Welcome to the NBA Coast to Coast podcast brought to you by thelines.com. Coming to you from the West Coast, Josh Lander, joined by my guy Nate Weitzer on the East Coast. And we're looking at a Monday night slate with seven games to choose from here in the NBA to kick off your work week. Definitely want to make sure to like and subscribe to that page. We've got a couple game videos up for you and our player props video that we're bringing you each and every weekday this season. Also want you to head to thelines.com where we've got all of our great written content up there and our odds finder tool that you can use to make sure you're getting the best juice back on all those NBA bets you are going to make this season. In this one, we are going to kick things off with the Cavs trying to take advantage of the lowly Spurs. Uh, Nate, let's go ahead and jump into that seven-game slate and then talk about the Cavs and Spurs. Yeah, seven games and lots of injury news, as usual, on a Monday uh, with some back-to-backs here. But the Heat trying to bounce back. They're minus three at Indiana. The Nets, after resting Durant, minus six at Washington. Hawks are plus eight and a half at Memphis. John Morant questionable there. Thunder plus eight and a half at Dallas. They rested Luka in their last game. Uh, the Wolves are plus four at Portland. Those teams just played two nights ago. And then the Celtics trying to bounce back uh, from that loss at the Warriors are minus three and a half at the Clippers. That's the other game we break down for you. And then this one, yeah, I, I told you last night, get on the Cavs minus five and a half. It's now minus seven and a half. So they were not the only... Uh, People to get bet that get your bets in early there. The total is up to 219. I also liked the over at 218 or the Cavs team total at 112. Um, so depending on where you get that, could be a favorable number. Donovan Mitchell is questionable for this one, so that that is a big deal uh, in terms of the scoring. I think, but I mean Cleveland should dominate this matchup, and I think the line is kind of exploitable because the Spurs are coming off two wins. One against the Rockets that we actually were kind of feeling, even though we we're like, I can't bank on them. But I, I think they might actually try to steal this one because you can't lose them all. And then they had the stunner of the season. Maybe their high watermark, which is a win in Miami with all the Heat player starting lineup in there. Uh, turns out it was Co- Coach Popovich's anniversary uh, coaching the team. So they won one for the Gipper there. Not saying it doesn't help um, having Doug McDermott. Josh Richardson and Romeo Langford back to field an actual squad here, uh, but there's still no Pirtle, no Bates Diop. Uh, Jeremy Sochan is questionable here tonight. And look, the Cavs are have this reputation as the, I mean, they have the best home record in the league and they've struggled on the road. I mean, part of that was a long West Coast road trip that lots of East Coast teams struggle on. And part of it is just the level of competition. I mean, like, look at some of these losses. It was a bad loss against the Knicks, who are playing much better of late, though. Loss at the Raptors, twice at Milwaukee, those three on the road trip. And then their other five games, two covers against Detroit, cover against the Lakers. Uh, these are wins, too. Win and cover at Boston and and at Chicago. So it's not like they can't get it done here on the road. And yeah. I mean, even if Mitchell's out, they do have Jared Allen in, and he's surprisingly been key for that offense as the vertical threat, uh, the the vertical rim stretcher, if you will. Um, and they actually averaged 114 with him in there versus 102 without him, actually giving up five more points per game as well with a slightly faster pace. Maybe it's easier to get something going to the rim when you have him there, uh, especially if it's just Garland and Allen. They're a little more comfortable with that like it was last year. And last year, the Cavs went over at a much higher rate on the road than at home where they still have that league-best defense. 
Uh, I mean, they've won three straight against the Spurs, even when the Spurs were trying to win games. Uh, two of those were in San Antonio. They scored about 115 a game despite hitting less than 10 threes. And Garland, like I said, if he's the man tonight, he's been just fine in that role. 32 points per game, seven assists on 60%, 57% splits in his last three against the Spurs. So they they have not been able to check him. And, I mean, we could just see the Spurs regress to where they were before this little two-game blip uh, where they were the worst team in the league by far. Had lost 15-16 with a negative 15 net and 0-8 against the spread. 1-10 in against the spread, their last 11 at home, allowing 120 a game. So I think I just want to bank on the Cavs' offense efficiency here, uh, whether that means take the game total over because the Spurs have a little bit more on O now, or that just means taking the Cavs to cover or or maybe teasing the two together so you can get Cavs back down at 5 or 4 with the total a little lower. Yeah, I think the most interesting thing here about the Cavs is what you mentioned. It's who they're playing when they're on the road. It's not just what they're doing when they're on the road. I mean, when they're at home, it doesn't matter. They're, they're 12 and 2 straight up. They're dominating competition and scoring an ass ton of points, um, especially compared to what they were on offense last year. This year, they've just played really, really good teams on the road. As the away team, uh, overall, they're 4-8-1 against the spread. Obviously, a terrible cover percentage, basically fifth worst in the league uh, when they're just the away team. When they're the away uh, favorite, they're fine. I mean, they're 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 covering um, at at a, at a 500 rate, but they're also you know winning those games by about 8.3 points per game, um, and and you know covering the spread by a couple more points as well by about four and a half points per game. So it, it's really just about if they're playing one of these best teams in the league when they're on the road versus not. And and they did fine against a couple of those teams as you mentioned when they're playing uh, good competition, including the the uh, the Celtics who they've handed two of their six losses to this season. So I mean they're not necessarily playing. Up to, I mean, they're playing up a little bit to their competition, and I would say probably down a little bit as well, but not not so much so that you're afraid of this, you know, seven and a half point spread. As I said, covering by about eight point three points per game when they are the uh, away favorite. So they're handling business against teams that they should beat, and it is it's interesting to to have Spider Mitchell out. It, it does scare me a bit when if if they were to need this game in, in a way, um, you know, if they were playing a team that was much better and they were really looking to win this game, that might scare me a bit more. But I, I would imagine that without him in other guys looking to step up and and really you know justify their time i like these situations where you've got to star out with a good team playing a bad team because there's not going to be too much reliance upon the star you're going to see a bit more uh, of, of that ball movement and to to be honest a little bit more um maybe a little bit more pace and space because donnie mitchell does like to take the ball up let the offense get set and then get into his stuff regardless of it's you know in transition or not uh i think for the the calves another you know interesting obviously they don't score nearly as much on the road um but that's just because at home they've just been absolutely dominant it's, it's not exactly like um, you know on, on the road they've been poor their defense steps up enough on the road that you know they've been able to at least hang around have near a 500 record um, but you know it, it's it's the pace obviously and things of that nature that change when they're when they're on the road um, that really affect what they do but yeah like I said that you know what when you're playing with a, a 108.7 defensive rating um, and, and with Jared Allen and by the way that actually goes down a little bit as well as we know um, then you've got to feel like pretty pretty good about a situation where once again the Cavs are not going to have the probably most important piece in this game when you're talking about the way that the Cavs play especially the way the Cavs play without Donnie Mitchell 
points in the paint, defending the paint, all that kind of stuff. Jakob Pertl's not going to play in this game. Um, he hasn't been exactly, you know, he's been somewhat of a turnstile on defense. Maybe you wish he was playing if you're picking the Cavs. But, I mean, having your starting center not playing against a team with uh, two, uh, you know, all-star seven-footers, let's say, and soon to be all-star in, in Evan Mobley, then I just think there's too much of an advantage down low for the Cavs in this one with or without Spider Mitchell, um, that even if they're not able to, you know, score an, a ton of points in this one, they're going to be just fine, you know, limiting what the, the Spurs are able to do. Yeah, limiting them, that's exactly it. I mean, they might have the best interior defense over the last two years when they have both those guys in there. I mean, they do. It's, it's Allen and Mobley are the best combo rim protectors. There's no, there's no other team that can throw out two elite rim protectors like that. So why they're allowing the second fewest paints in the point, why they – paints in the point. You know what I mean. <laughs> why they have the best defensive rating in the league this year. Um, and their, their weakness is if you can spread them out and hit some threes. Well, Spurs are 24th in three-point percentage and near the bottom of the league in attempts. And – I mean, you look at their defensive rating, the metrics. I mean, they're they're terrible in against everything. Um, even at home, where they're better in terms of their rating, it's still a one fifteen defensive rating. Still giving up nearly one twenty recently, like I said. And they're five and two to the over when playing the East this year. Um, so, I mean, I think the overs in play again with the same approach with the Spurs. Though we don't know if they can come along, so that's why betting one twelve on the Cavs in terms of their team total is something you could you could feel comfortable putting good amount of units yeah. on even though it's minus 120 right now i think there's a high probability they get to at least 113 uh, and and probably pull away late cuz you get again you come back to the tanking mentality spurs are dead last in fourth quarter scoring um, in fourth quarter points allowed, 26th in scoring. And the Cavs are number one in second half scoring and fourth quarter scoring. They can just clamp down on this team uh, that really doesn't have a go-to guy at all. Uh, and Cleveland's going to try to get over that, that that hump that they haven't been able to get over on the road in terms of winning consistently. But like you said, they have been winning when they're favored. Yeah, 100%. And um, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, the, the Cavs are still giving up 120 points a game at home, 119.6 um, at home for, for the Spurs. So, um, you know, they're scoring basically 110 wherever they are. It doesn't really matter. Their offense is going to be pretty much what it is, um, no matter where they are, or who they're playing at this point. Um, but but yeah, that that defense at home, so, so bad. Uh, and if they're not, you know, points in the paint, obviously we expect that to be completely dominated um, by, by Cleveland and obviously limiting that as well. So if, if San Antonio is going to not be able to shoot the way that they have been, um, you know, they're going to be in, in, in pretty big trouble unless really the only way you see this game um, being pulled out is, is is a monster performance from Keldon Johnson and Devin Vassell. Uh, and I'm not really feeling confident in that ability against this team. Uh, Keldon Johnson a little bit too undersized to be able to get those boards and stuff. So yeah, feeling really good about the matchup for the Cavs as well. And Celtics minus three and a half at the Clippers. Total actually down a point since I last looked, 224 and a half. Um, Again, kind of like the over. Um, I mean, I expect the Celtics to bounce back absolutely from your NBA Finals rematch where Tatum was held in check uh, despite Andrew Wiggins sitting. Um, I mean, but the the Celtics, this has been their their storyline all season is, you know, trying to redeem that failure in the finals last year, and they've taken it out on the rest of the league. Clearly, they don't have the right buttons to push against the Warriors yet, or at least can't beat the Warriors on the road. I mean, the Warriors are a completely different team if they're visiting your building. Um, oh, yeah. But they they can easily turn it around against the Clippers team that's, that's mediocre um, at best. I mean, they 
only list Norman Powell is out right now. So I guess Kawhi and Paul George could play. Uh, you really never know. This is their first game back home after a four-game road trip. They have five straight at home here. Um, so it's not a, a heavy urgency situation if they happen to lose to Boston or if they sit one of those guys. They got a back-to-back coming up later in the week. Uh, and Kawhi is not playing his full workload either. Um, you know, he's been there. He's played eight games this season, and their their offense has been a little bit better, defense as well. And they're six and two straight up. But I I don't see a quality win in here. I mean, they beat the Lakers in the like the second game of the season, Pistons, Spurs. Jazz all at home. Then they scraped by the Hornets and the Wizards, who were without Beal and, and Lamella Ball, respectively, and then blew an 18-point uh, lead in Orlando, lost in overtime. This, to me, Josh, has the feeling, even when they have their guys in, as a team that just like will play it close with anybody, including the worst teams in the league. Um, and so I do kind of worry that they'll be able to play the Celtics close, but... Three points is not a ton for a team posting record efficiency uh, for a team that's extremely motivated after what happened last time out and uh, is four and one straight up after a loss this year. Seven and one against Western Conference, dominating everyone except the Warriors in that span. I mean, we just saw them smoke the Suns, who, by the way, beat the Clippers by 17 early in the season when they had both Kawhi and PG active. Kawhi is not all the way back. He's not the superstar Kawhi Leonard. I mean, don't expect him to lock up Tatum or anything. Um, even if you do, they had the Celtics obviously had that one, two punch. They had Jalen go off for 31 against the Warriors, even with Tatum struggling, kept that one reasonably close. I just, I don't think there'll be any let up from their offense. And I think the Clippers are undervalued right now from an offensive perspective um, because they've gotten those guys back and they've, they've kind of ramped up the pace a little bit more. They've got their first two overs at home and played at a 103 pace in those last two. Um, you know, despite a lot, uh, you know, pretty good defensive rating against the Kings and Pacers, um, you know, giving up 112. And and obviously the Celtics are a much more efficient team than either of those teams. So I think, you know, the over, if it continues to fall a little bit, 224, don't hate that. Uh, but really, well, yeah, I just want to bank on the Celtics bounce back here, even if it's a money line, um, because you are worried about, you know, keeping it close with with those two stars out there. I think the Celtics get this win. Honestly, I think I'm attacking the total just as much as I am attacking, um, you know, the, the Celtics ability to to beat this team. I, there's there's nothing here for me in terms of like Kawhi and what he's doing to really make me. Feel, there's nothing this team's doing at all. Like, I just never know who's playing. And so as a result, I, I like even when I look at their stats and I look at individual game logs and things of that nature, I'm just kind of like, I have to look at who is playing every single game. I can't just go look at a box score. I have to go look at a box score for who is actually playing each time. Um, and that's really annoying. But the, all that said, I think the trends for this team obviously we know much better on defense than they are on offense, especially when they don't have one or both of their two big guys in, uh, in PG and Kawhi. Neither of them are listed on, a, on an injury report anywhere, but I don't know. Like, I, I don't know if they're going to play or not. You talk about Kawhi's game log this season. Um, and yeah, he hasn't played a team. I mean, he, they played uh, Phoenix. He played Phoenix in like the third game of the season. Other than that, every single team that they played, uh, I guess Utah is surprising us with how good they are, although they've backslid a little bit. 
there's nobody that's better than than Utah basically at that point that he's playing against. It, it doesn't really tell us much. He's played four games at home, four games on the road. Um, you know, to me, I'm, I'm looking at that going well. That that means there's no real there's no real impact that he's having on this team to a large enough degree that we can say with him without him this is what will happen. In terms of, but what I can say is uh, what they've done at home this season in general for the Clips, and and that's been um, going under at a tremendous rate. As as I wrote down two and eleven to the over when they are at home, that's the fewest overs in the NBA. And then you look at Boston uh, and the trend. Obviously, when they're at home, they're the best offensive team in the history of the league. When they're on the road, uh, they are what are they three and eleven to the over. Um, so you know there are three ten and one, however you want to put it. But that's the second fewest overs on the road as well only to Milwaukee, whose defense on the road is impenetrable. Um, but yeah, I mean, that their their road defense for Boston has been a lot better than their home offense, probably because they're just putting up like 130 at home and they don't care what happens on the defensive end. But they are number three in opponents' two-point percentage, number two in free throw attempts allowed. Uh, this is all on the road. And number one in limiting opponent fast break points. Um, they've also been increasing their points off of turnovers, which is a pretty big deal for them when, when we look at what their defense is doing, is how if it's playing well, if it's clamping down on people, they're creating points off of turnovers they're 13th in the league this season off of that as opposed to being much better last season but they've they've progressed all the way up to sixth most over their last five games uh, in terms of getting points off of turnovers uh, the Clippers do not limit that they they allow that to happen at a pretty high rate but bottom five in the league um, which is a pretty big deal for, for how Boston likes to score points and, and how this game can really get out of hand really quickly because if Boston is not only stealing the ball and getting points off uh, off turnovers if they're hitting threes in transition or they're hitting threes in general, night, night, then this game is pretty much over at that point. Um, and, and you can feel good about that. So I actually lean under 225. I mean, if you look at the uh, the Clippers last roughly like five uh, home games, that's where they go under. They've gone over uh, and they're in five in a row on the road. Um, but at home, the Clips, you know, under to the Kings, under to the Pacers, under to the Nuggies, under, or they went over to the Jazz, but then under the Spurs and the Pistons uh, and the Nets and the Lakers. Uh, so if you look at their last like eight road uh, home games, they've gone over one time um, and, and all the rest have gone under. And, and some of those spreads are right around what we're at here, 222, 221. Those spreads on the road for them have been really, really low, helping them go over as well, I would mention, like 212 versus the Heat, 218 versus the Wiz, 217. 16 versus the Magic, blah, 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 blah. Obviously, those teams are not the offensive team that the Celtics are, and I really don't want to make it seem like anybody can clamp down on the Celtics, but there are some a decent amount of home road splits for the Seas as well. You know, like we said, 11 fewer points scored on the road. Their defensive rating is a little bit worse, but not too much. It's it's also a little bit about the pace, um, allowing a bunch more free throws, you know, uh, etc. So, you know, or excuse me, shooting fewer th- free throws are the, um, are, are the Celtics. So, their offense just takes a little bit of a step back. Their defense takes takes a step forward, all things that make sense when you look at just the, the fact that this team is sort of reliant on its offense in a way, um, you know, that, that that's what wins them games right now. That's not what they're able to rely on quite as much on the road. Hence all those unders and, and all the, re, the, you know, the slower pace and, and the better defense on the road as opposed to at home for them, um, which has even gotten better, uh, as, as you were mentioning, you know, has gotten better over the course of their last three to five games. They've just been way better on defense as well, something we talked about recently. So I, I'm fine with the three and a half over a Clippers team that I don't trust that. I don't think has an identity that their identity is like play really good defense, hope Zoo gets a ton of boards, and then PG can go off because we don't have Kawhi ever. Uh, and when they do that, they're able to beat the Orlando by like five. So like, why would I feel good about them being able to hang with the, the Celtics, even if Kawhi's in there, uh, not dominating? Like, I don't think he will be able to yet. 
Yeah, upon closer inspection, Josh is right. Uh, the under does seem like the better play here. I mean, they've, Celtics are are 4-0 to the under so far on this road trip, and part of that's because the, the total was so high at the Warriors. Um, part of that is also because they just completely shut down the Suns in the previous game. And I worry just as much about the Clippers offense as I would about the Suns, who are kind of broken right now. Uh, yeah. And the, some of their home road splits, their offense even worse at home, right? Scoring 104 per game, hey, uh, you know, shooting 34% from three. And by the way, the Celtics, since Miami kind of established a bit of a blueprint yeah. for mixing up coverages, uh, they haven't hit 40% of their threes in any of their last five games. They're shooting 34 and a half at that point where, you know, they were on that record pace shooting 41% as a team. And that's kind of the secret sauce along with the assist to turnover ratio, which has also come down to 23 assists and, and about 14 turnovers in the last five. Uh, yep. And, yeah, I mean, while we don't know what we're going to get from Kawhi and PG, they at least do have a chance to match up on Jalen and Jason if they want to use this as kind of a playoff primer. Like like, like we've been saying, they haven't really unleashed Kawhi in a tough matchup yet, uh, right. but maybe they want to see what he can do against, you know, the best team in the league. In, in, in any case, there's, there's more scenarios here, and Ty Lue being such a good coach who probably has been watching closely what Joe Mazzulla has been doing with the Celtics, he probably has some tricks up his sleeves in, in order to, to limit that offense. And then there's yeah. also the possibility that the Clippers don't even get a hundred because uh, they're just not a very good offensive team. And they, and they have tended to play really slow, except for those last two blips that I mentioned where they, where they went over and they, they actually got blown out by the Kings, but still went under because they had 98. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there, there's, there's, if you Kawhi's playing automatically, you're just like, all right, probably more defense, less offense. I think we can feel like that's probably the case. Um, I, I would agree with your logic here that if if Kawhi and and PG are both playing tonight, like if they're healthy enough to play and you're not worried about them getting re-injured, they're just playing, um, especially Kawhi, then who, who else is better to guard this this Celtics team than this Clippers team? There's nobody who has the defensive prowess of PG and Kawhi, size and speed and strength to be able to to hang with JB and Jason Tatum. Like there's nobody, there's nobody else with two players that are meant to guard those two guys uh, quite like this team. So if they are playing, you hope that there's a bit of a matchup there for them and that they're, they're hoping that the, those two guys in the game are ranged enough to be able to get out on shooters uh handle those two guys and then you know have everybody else fly around on the shooters um and keep keep Austin from being able to hit 40 percent once again uh from three on the road so you're listening to the lines.com podcast network looking for the latest player props and the best betting odds from the top u.s sports books all in one place then join us right here every day this season for free picks and best bets from the sports betting experts you can trust. Check out the lines.com NFL Megapod as Matt Brown, Steven Andrus, and Adam Candy break down every game for this weekend's football slate. Join the Coast to Coast podcast crew Mondays through Fridays as Nate Weitzer and Josh Lander bring you the best player props and game lines for Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the NFL. And tune in to Beat the Closing Line twice a week as Nicole Russo, Mo Nawara, and Eli Hershkovich dive into NFL opening lines, plus special guests from the sports betting world. So subscribe, rate, and review to the Lines Podcast Network, the source you can trust to make you a better sports better. Nate, let's go ahead and jump into your first NBA player prop for tonight. Yeah, Kevin Durant, uh, guy we've been riding. I wrote him on Friday, and then he got the day off on Saturday, and then Cam Thomas carried the Nets to victory, but now he should be back here. Uh, in Washington, where he's from, uh, D.C. area, that is. And that's why he's 
posted great lines against them for the most part. I mean, on top of the fact that they're a bad defensive team that tries to limit threes and points in the paint and therefore is vulnerable to a godlike mid-range scorer like KD. And in, in their last eight, the Wiz given up 122 uh, points per 100 possessions. That is uh, one of the worst in the league on the season, allowing the third most points to small, small forwards along with the fifth most rebounds and assists. So, KD, uh, since joining Brooklyn, averaging 31.5 points along with eight rebounds, six and a half assists on 55, 41, 90 splits against the Wizards. Um, this is his first road appearance, actually, since November 25th, when he just went off in a loss, actually, 36, 9, and 8 on a 42% usage rate. So if the Nets get into a close game, which, as you know, if you've watched the show, we do not ever trust them to cover, and they're minus six here on the road. So I do think it will be a close game. Uh, I expect Durant to be filling it up in more ways than one. I mean, 29.5 points is reasonable for sure. I think you're even safer with the 42.5 PRA. Uh, he had at least 10 rebounds and assists in 13 straight before going 34-4-4 and against Atlanta. And that's probably why Jacques Vaughn realized he had to give him some rest if he's not boarding and facilitating. He doesn't have the energy for that. Um, but, yeah, I think he gets back to those elite round stat lines uh, in addition to scoring 30 points here. Yeah, that feels right. I mean, that's that's been the key, I think, and in, in the difference in, in terms of their wins and losses as well, to a degree, is um, you know how, how much is KD doing on top of scoring? To be honest, because they need help uh, in a lot of different ways at times with with their lack of depth. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm never going to tell you not to take uh, a KD over, uh, especially in a situation where yeah, the, the, the Nets are playing a lot better right now, and uh, this Wizards team doesn't really has been sliding on defense a ton. So uh, completely with that one, I'm going to go with Ant Man for our next one. I think there's a lot of ways to look at how to bet Ant-Man here. 25 and a half points. I, I think some of his um, props are a little bit affected by the, the, the really good game he had against Portland uh, just this last one as they're doing one of these home, uh, just two in a row in the same building, uh, Minnesota at Portland twice in a row. Uh, yeah, did really super well, obviously, uh, in terms of that last game there with uh, with, with his stats, 26, 6, and 7. Um, the, the, the points are at 25 and a half. Uh, the points and assists are at 30 and a half. Um, and, and I think, you know, it, either the... Either of those or the points, rebounds, and assists, he's been filling it up, you know, in, in all different categories. Uh, the one time he's really failed to have uh, the 30 points and assists in, in the last, you know, roughly five games or so uh, was in that Utah uh, game that was just just an ugly game for him all around um, with his shooting splits at like 21-33. It was just a completely off night in a Utah team that was clearly uh, doubling him and, and taking him out of the game. Uh, but against, you know, this this Portland team, his last six or his last six versus Portland, which is, you know, all the games in his career, it's only his second year in the league, but 20 and a half a game, five point eight rebounds and 2.7 assists uh, in that time frame. 32% usage and 115 individual offensive rating against this team. Um, you know, and, and his last six without Cat as well, 25 points a game, five, basically six boards and five assists, right? And, and like I said, 26, six and seven at Portland uh, on Saturday a couple nights ago. So I, I don't see why much would change. Portland, not very good at, at defending. Um, I guess you would call it the shooting guard position for Ant. Um, although he and D'Lo, it's just really your turn, my turn on in terms of setting up offense 
offense. There's not much setting up of offense uh, on this Timberwolves team. There's a, a lot of, I'll take the ball and have it in my hands. So with that usage rate as high as it is without Cat, um, you know, you can feel good about the, the, the 26 points. I think the points and assists is probably a little bit better than adding the rebounds in there. I'm a little bit skeptical of the rebounds and assists itself, which is at like, uh, for him, it's 10 and a half. Uh, and, and to go under is minus 110, just like going over on that is, I actually feel a little bit better about the under on that. Uh, Ant hasn't gotten more than, uh, you know, 10 uh, rebounds and assists. He's done it twice in his last six games. Um, but, you know, those were against teams like Indiana. Uh, and he did do it against Portland. But that's what I'm a little bit weary about is, is just him doing that exact same thing again. But I think the points are going to be something that he has to come by, the 25 and a half. So I feel really good about that. I don't mind adding the assists, um, but not both the rebounds and assists, to be honest, because I don't think there's, there's a bevy of those coming for him uh, once more. I mean, I do think his production's ramping up as he gets into shape here from across the board. And as things kind of open up without Cat out there, it's it's definitely more reliable. Uh, you see his stat lines pretty much at 25 or higher. He had that blip against Utah. Uh, but, I mean, Portland, while their wing defense is really good, their, their actual backcourt is still the most vulnerable thing. Um, and that's why I think we can rely on Ant and we can rely on the other side of the ball Simons and Dame Lillard continuing to cook against Minnesota, uh, which, you know, was just awful on the road last year. Their interior defense a little bit better now with Rudy Gobert, but their perimeter defense still awful, giving up the most three-pointers at the uh, fourth highest percentage, allowing the seventh most points to uh, shooting guards in the last seven, partially because Simons went off for 31 on Saturday when they faced them. Um, you know, he's his, his prop at 22 and a half points, much more generous than Dame Lillard at 27 and a half. And I also like 25 and a win for Simons is plus 235. He is a good bellwether for this team in terms of, yes, they have Dame back, but do they have that second scorer that can draw, you know, keep defenses honest? And Simons has been that. I mean, he has plenty of experience now being the guy. And when Dame's in there, he's still producing at a very high rate. He's actually been more efficient than Damian Lillard at home this season, uh, averaging a little bit more despite the lower usage, 24 points per game, shooting 43% from deep. And yeah, then I look at, again, to your point on Ant, Portland has the third worst opponent three-point percentage at home. So I do expect, you know, more of the same. Like you said, I worry that we're going to get more of the same, but I, I think the matchup is there for these hot shooting guards to have big line, you know, similar lines, if not bigger in the same matchup. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I love Anthony Simons so much. Uh, and I love the fact that Dame's come back and he's still showing that he can score 31 sitting alongside him. It's not really like you got to worry that he's going to, if he's going to get 20 to 25 with Dame in there now, uh, it's definitely a two guard uh, backcourt there. And I think he's getting the trust that he needs uh, to be able to really be a, a solid number two scorer on, on a playoff team right now on a very good team uh, that I think could make noise uh, at, down the stretch as well, continue to do so. So I, I do like them to, to win this game. Um, so anything that you want to do player performance double wise like I'm, I'm with you on that one so uh, i'm gonna finish player props here with mr hero tyler hero here taking on uh one of the worst defensive teams in the league in the pacers uh I, i've got his points prop at 20 and a half i would take that it's only minus uh what's well, about minus 120 on uh FanDuel. that's the best place i found for that prop there for him to get 21 threes is two and a half oh, over two and a half is is but it's minus 135 or minus 125 on on uh fan as well. 
So I'm looking at a few alternates, to be honest with you. I, I would take the points and f- be fine with the minus 120 at 20 and a half for Tyler Hero. I would also consider 25 and a win for Tyler. I think 20 for him to just get 25 is plus 180, but 25 and a win in those player performance levels is plus 310 for Hero. Uh, there, there's going to be some points in this game for sure. I mean, you, you, Tyler Hero, especially uh, in his last seven, uh, has been playing absolutely well for this team. 22 and a half points a game, seven and a half boards. His his player prop right now for, for rebounds is at six and a half. Uh, Six assists uh, in that time frame as well. So he's he's filling it up for, for Miami all over the place with, uh, you know, roughly a 28% usage rate and the ball in his hands a ton. Uh, he's shooting roughly 18 field goal attempts a game, shooting about seven and a half, eight threes a game. So I like the usage rate in the in the attempts he's getting up uh, and the points that he's scoring. You look at uh, the way, what he's done in his last four against the Pacers, dating back to uh, the beginning of last season, 26 points a game, five boards and three assists in that time frame. Uh, also throwing in a few threes there, almost four threes made on eight and a half attempts shooting 45 percent from deep against this team which is just bad on defense right like bottom five in terms of opponent three-point percentage three-point makes for for uh indiana and they're giving up the second most i'm sorry third most points uh and assists combined to uh shooting guards which is however you want to consider hero sometimes he's got the ball in his hand point guard ish sometimes bam has the ball in his hands point guard ish i don't really care about that it's more about him being sort of like a perimeter uh shooting guard who can score from all over the three-point line it's not like he just stands at the top or on the wing he's coming at you from all different angles just really like what i'm seeing from him right now and i continue you know especially with jimmy butler and the way that he's been either not playing or scoring less than 20 points over the course of his last eight games i think he has two 20-point games in that time frame like this is the best offensive player on this team uh and this is the guy that's going to continue to get points for them and there's going to be a few more points in this game than, than most normal Miami games as they are on the road and they're playing the Pacers who score a ton at home as well uh, so there's gonna be points in this game I like 25 and a win for Hero uh, at plus 310 the only thing I don't trust is, is are the fucking Heat gonna try and are they gonna win that's the only thing I don't know because they just lost to the Spurs and have been putting up some pretty ugly performances against teams that are that are not as good as them yeah I actually like Jimmy Butler under 20 and a half points to your, to yeah. what you're saying that I mean, he scored 30 and they lost last time out. And I think he needs to impact the game in different ways. I, I think he knows that. And that means letting Hero take on much more of the scoring load. I'm sure there's a correlation there. Uh, when Butler scores less, that Hero will score more. So, I mean, that might be an interesting same-game parlay to get Butler under mm-hmm. and the Heat win. But um, something like that. I mean, I think the safest bet here is, yeah, Tyler Hero, 21 points. is Like you said, averaging 22 and a half his last seven. Yeah, for sure. That, that That's an easy one. And I'm just trying to find ways to juice that up a bit because I think Tyler's going to have a pretty big night tonight. And the two and a half threes is way too short, small. I just don't love the minus 130 odds. So if you want to, you know, go ahead and sell a, a three there, get an alternate line and get over three and a half, you're probably a lot closer to about to plus money there. So that is all the time we have for you in this one, though. Make sure to like and subscribe to that page. Continue to follow along with us. We are coming back to you each and every weekday this regular season. So until we see you next, happy betting. <laughs>